Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. All right, go ahead and roll for Perception. I got a 13. Hey, that's pretty good. With that, you can tell there's some fantasy situations going on. You hear some adult language, and with that, you can tell this podcast probably isn't for kids. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons & Dragons, from voracious vines to volatile vixens. And today, we're talking about deities and religion. Prepare yourselves. I cast Fireball. The Dungeon Cast. Okay, Brian, so today we're talking about uh, gods and goddesses of Dungeons & Dragons. I'm excited. And it's an important aspect of the game. Because there are whole classes that are built around the very concept of these deities existing. I think it's important to tackle that subject first and foremost. Okay. Generally speaking, in most D&D games, uh, the gods are real. There is no denying that. Like They are real, they do things, and they, uh, they send out their agents, and they, they want their will to be invoked. That's what I've noticed, is sometimes they're in your face. They're not in just... my campaigns, they, they will be a lot. <laughs> like, I, I really uh, just use the trope a lot where the gods get really involved and it's like this world ending whole thing it's just my style it's just how i do it i mean they're like in control like in yeah a lot my of gods ways. are very direct um uh and that's that's kind of something you have to decide as a dungeon master um uh, are the gods real and likely the answer to that is yes uh, otherwise you're having to come up with um yeah replacement a, for like the cleric and stuff yeah like that. either you have to disregard the cleric and maybe even the paladin or you have to come up with some other thing where they get their power from so are the gods real and if they're not what are you going to do about it and if they are real um how do they affect your world how involved are they in it like what is their place in your world yeah um are they in your face are they more behind the scenes um yeah. there are people who pray to them but do they answer yeah yeah exactly and if they answer do they answer directly or is, or do they work in mysterious ways as, right yeah as sometimes and those are, a lord will do yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely and um i think i think one of the first questions that we need to tackle in this episode is what is a deity 
Right. Like what constitutes a god or goddess? What makes them Yeah, with all the divine? fantastic things that go on in, in Dungeons and Dragons, where's the threshold of becoming a god? Right. And the the thing is there are other uh very, very powerful entities that are godlike or maybe even on the same uh level as gods, but they're not gods. Right. So in terms of like a power. In terms of power, yeah. yeah. And and even like worship, like some things can get worshipped as gods. That's why they have um, cultists. That's why there's cultists, yeah. <laughs> um, and in your world, they're... <laughs> and yeah, we're going to talk about the, the, the elder gods or the great old ones or whatever you want to call them uh, a little bit. They're, they're going to get their own episode. From the far realm, right? Yes, from the far realm, which just means outside of from the beyond, real, from the, the primordial, beyond, exactly from from the upside down, <laughs> from the upside uh, down, yeah, and uh, from the invert, <laughs> from the invert, yeah. So, um, uh, man, uh, so okay, yeah. What constitutes a deity? Um, I've seen it done a few different ways. Uh, some deities get their divinity from. Um, prayers and followers like believers if you will their okay. power comes from belief nice and the more followers and believers a deity has the more powerful and potent they are have you ever played um, or seen okami or heard of okami oh no what it, no. it's a really cool capcom game where uh-huh. you're the sun god and you're oh, a wolf and you're like roaming oh, the earth it's the one where you draw or you paint right yeah, yeah. you have a, a never played it. Bl- it, it's so good it's, yeah i, I hear it, it's I hear a classic it like zelda inspired nice. dungeons and but you are a deity in that one huh yeah and oh. your power comes from belief so like oh, okay. at the end of the game when you've helped all these people and they and everyone's like you were the sun god and they start praying to you like, yeah you okay. were you like become all powerful hmm. it's really cool so that reminds me of that okay yeah and and i think it's a very uh common way to depict deities where they get power from their from their followers and believers. that's pretty cool um i've seen it done where um, the gods have a literal certain something called a divine spark, which is infinite and all encompassing. And it just, it's why they can give all this power and not be diminished. Like, you know, when the cleric uses sacred flame or any powerful spell, he's siphoning or she's siphoning that power from their deity, but it doesn't lessen their deity by being used because these okay. deities are infinite. That's a little more difficult to wrap your mind around, and a god should be exactly that difficult to You're wrap tapping your mind this around. great well of energy that exists elsewhere. Exactly, this infinite well. Um, and That's why sacred flame comes from, like, the sky or it's just depicted as coming from like down from above oh is that the is that the flavor on the actual spell yeah i think so really i always pictured it coming directly out of the like the medallion or your symbol or whatnot oh it might maybe but, i don't but know you know what in the end it doesn't matter it's whatever you or the player depicted as yeah, as me, long as everyone agrees me and jake play diablo and um and i'm a paladin in diablo right now mm-hmm. and i have this like radiant beam that like comes down from the sky and like tracks my enemies around oh, that's pretty cool and so i like automatically thought of that oh, okay yeah. that's where your mind went yeah. okay so I've seen it done with a with a whole divine spark kind of deal, and I've also seen it done where um, certain like aspects of of reality that we wouldn't consider in real life as being tangible, okay, uh, basically are in this world. Like for instance, I'll use uh, um, hope as an emotion. Yeah, like maybe in your world, hope is a force, like it's an actual entity. Uh, in and of itself and it affects things like it has if you will tangible quantifiable physics to it like luck in D D, huh like luck in D yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and um and maybe the deities that you have aren't like gods and goddesses with agendas or anything like that maybe they're more like forces of of reality <laughs> that just are 
sitting and, up on their lazy boy on a cloud yeah, looking full. over like, oh, the humans, here's some power. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe they don't even have a form or they don't think about anything. Like they might not be intelligent. They might just be a force like the same way gravity is a force. Right. OK. Like, like I would say imagine if you could be a cleric of gravity. Uh, which makes no sense, but imagine if gravity, if you could harness in gravity because you worshipped it. I accidentally you know? stole everyone's wallet within yeah. a 10 mile radius. Yeah, exactly. It's like, or like Thank magnetism. You, that's another, that's another force of physics. Magneto. Like imagine he was a magnet cleric. It basically is. Yeah. So he, and he, and he isn't, but like, that's what I'm trying to get at. So deities can be any number of things in my world. It's kind of a combination between the forces bit and the divine spark bit. Uh, one interesting thing about the divine spark aspect of it all is I've seen, and this is throughout like all kinds of different campaign settings, if a deity, if a deity is slain by somebody else, um, their spark passes on to whoever killed them. What? And if you... Uh, if the Elder Wand. Yeah, if you... Yeah, <laughs> there the can only be wand, one. There we go. Yeah, there can only be one. Um, if, you, if you absorb that spark, you gain... Uh, divinity you are now divine at that point and you ascend to godhood probably lesser godhood wow but also you inherit the portfolio of that god which we'll <laughs> talk about well we'll talk about right now like I we wonder... talked about in the cleric episode what a portfolio is yeah a portfolio is basically uh, a list of domains that a god has dominion over things like hope strength war aspects like that yeah and I've seen like I, I've seen uh, campaign settings where like let's say average Joe soldier ends up going on this long quest and ends up killing some god of I don't know we'll say a war and tyranny uh, even though maybe Joe soldier was a good person and a totally dope dude the divine spark is going to transform him over time there needs to will, be an entity that serves these purposes exactly. and oh look guess what it's you now exactly and maybe you had to fight this god and it wasn't up to you but you killed it and or or them or whatever and now you are that god yeah and maybe it's cyclical maybe every five millennia this god needs to be killed because he gets too out of control and the next person has to take the mantle who knows oh man stories can get crazy yeah so <clears throat> after you've decided what a god is and where they fit in your world you have to decide what kind of pantheon you have, whether mm -hmm. it be like polytheism is going to be the more average one. That's, you know, a lot of D&D mythologies are based off of other uh, real mythologies that have polytheism, Greek, Norse, Egyptian, so on and so forth, Mesopotamian. Um, and so after you've decided like your number of deities, what they represent, what kind of pantheon they're going to be. Um, Splitting up the pie. You have to... You have to um, decide if this is going to be either a loose or a tight pantheon. And the differences are not like super extreme, but like they make a difference. Okay. And okay, so a loose pantheon is probably what you're used to in my world, mm -hmm. where each god kind of represents a totally different aspect and they all kind of fly solo. Yeah. And uh, they do their thing. They're trying to enforce their own agenda some of them high five when they see each other yeah exactly some were like hey see you around um <laughs> others are like fuck you yeah <laughs> so yeah they they all have relationships with each other but they're not beholden to each other they don't really work together they have enough space um, to themselves yeah exactly how i always saw it in a <clears throat> in a tight pantheon is, is going to be something you're more used to in history the greek gods are Mm, they're they're not quite uh, what I would categorize a tight pantheon, but they're pretty close. They have um, um, I've seen Hercules, and I'm like, well, they party, they hang out, they together. hang out. Well, the the concept of a tight pantheon is that like they generally work together 
as as they generally under one religion, mm-hmm. and they usually have one leader amongst them. Zeus would be this one, or Odin from Norse mythology. Yeah, like Odin is the All Father, and Thor and um, Freya and Heimdall and all them are gods that fall underneath Odin. And even though they they represent different things in Odin, they're still all part of the same family, and you kind of they're all on the same side. Yeah, they serve they serve like the the overall purpose, the overall function of their godhood. Exactly, and they all fall under the same religion. Right. Um. A nice fantasy one that I think a lot of people who uh, view or listen to us might be familiar with is the Seven from Game of Thrones, which I know you're not familiar with. No. But the Seven is it's the probably should be. <laughs> you should watch it. It's a great show. It's it's really good. Um. But the Seven are uh. The seven gods of the main religion of the continent of Westeros, and they all fall under the same religion. In this case, there isn't a leader amongst them. There are like seven equals, but still, it's like seven different deities that represent seven different things but fall under the same religion. Okay. So that's another way you could do it. I tend to favor the looser side of things just because... Um, if I, if I'm forced to, uh, deal with a pantheon that's tight, that means I got to really think about this religion and put a lot of detail into it. Like the, um, the domino effect, like certain events might have on the others and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like, uh, the little things like, uh, like if, if the religion is tight, that means everyone's celebrating the same religion which means that as you guys come across any religious person it's got to be cohesive and everywhere you know like that for me is more work as a dungeon master (laughs) if i can just call it all loosey-goosey and be like why why is this cleric different from this cleric well because he serves some other different god and some other he's from this town they have this temple don't worry about it (laughs) yeah um give you as much breathing room as possible exactly and as a dungeon master you know breathing room is so so valuable oh, uh, yeah. at least i i feel like it is i prefer it <laughs> yeah absolutely give me as much as you, as as you can so I don't um fuck up my continuity another thing crazy. another thing that you got to kind of consider too is like there's a lot of intelligent species in the world of D, and they're not probably going to all serve the same deities there are going to be deities that are uh race specific Okay. Um, and then you got to kind of decide, do they have their own little mini pantheons or their own pantheons, or are they all under one deity? I was thinking, like, elemental stuff. Did they have, like, pantheon, like, their own? Um, Is there, like, usually a god of, like... Of, okay, like, like a el- god of fire? Yeah, stuff like that. It, it's kind of funny in, in... Or is it in someone else's portfolio, like, fire is, like, under... So the elements don't tend to fall directly under the gods. They're, like, their own plane, right? Mm, yeah, they... Excuse me. They're their own plane... But also, um, in 4th edition specifically, there were um, very, very powerful godlike entities called Titans. Yeah. And they existed in the elemental chaos. Now, the elemental chaos was um, a huge, expansive, infinite realm of um, stone and earth and water, like vast oceans and burning fire and whatnot. And it coalesces into the four... um, planes plane of air water fire and earth um and they kind of reside over like the elements and also magic and evocation magic specifically is all about the elements um it's just like i've seen other like uh fantasy like video games and books and whatnot where there are gods of fire 
or gods of water. Okay. But in this game, there is and there isn't. Like, there's a god or goddess of the sea a lot of the time. Okay, so that might, like, entail some water Yeah, a lot of water stuff. Or the god of the sun, it's going to be a lot of fire stuff, but they're not the god of fire. Right. And there's other kinds of fire. Like, a god of nature would, like, encompass earth things. Plants and earth stuff, yeah. So, so yes and no on on that. And also, remember, it's your world, so if that's the way you want it, fuck yeah, it's that way now. Mm -hmm. Um, So... When it comes to, um, oh yeah, the the races in their own pantheons, um, a lot of the times you will see race specific pantheons in D anD D. Like the elves will have their own private elven pantheon, and they tend to be tight pantheons when it's when it's a racial one because it's like an entire uh, nation of people are basically under one religion with five or six gods. Yeah, okay. Um, Orcs are going to have their own. Uh, gnomes have their own. Even halflings, a lot of time, will have their own. Not in my world. My world is not like that. But okay. I've seen it a lot. So that's something that you got to think about too when coming up with <clears throat> your concept of deities and religion in your world. And I've been talking a lot, and I know that you're kind of coming up with your own world as we speak. Yeah, and deities are a subject that you're still tackling. Yes. So how's that going? Well, um, I've been kicked in the in the rear to get it going because okay. um, I now have a cleric. That oh yeah, we're we gonna got a be, cleric on the team. We're going to be putting in the party, so there needs to be a pantheon now. It's yeah. it is required. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm not I'm not trying to tweak um, to to like take the cleric and turn it into something it wasn't intended to be in terms right. of the book. <clears throat> I'd rather stick with the normal. Yeah. Um, you know what it's supposed to do it's fun its main function which is like the the gods are fun like that's a good pool of uh of story to to grab from mm-hmm. if you want to mm-hmm. you know i can make this pantheon and never touch it you know it's True. just you know uh my cleric will you know obviously be praying and there will be temples and like you'll hear about god a lot or gods a lot and um like i don't ever have to show you one no, or, no, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah, or or make it even a part of the plot, like the over the overarching story. Yeah, and, they never have to get involved. And who knows what that even is going to be right now? So, um, like, I have right. an idea, but you guys all have your own ideas. Very yeah. scary. I try. <laughs> I tried to go easy on you with my character as a paladin. I was like, ah, I just won't make him religious. I'll make his oath be to like a higher ideal. Yeah, and uh, I, I like that a lot. That's right. that's really cool. It's a it's a very um like two sides of the same coin almost between you and the cleric. Like there's yeah. there's a lot of different ways you can you can do these types of things. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I am going to build a pantheon. Um I think they are going to be kind of a looser pantheon. Mm-hmm. Um I actually have more ideas for um deities below deities, like the sub deities, like okay. almost like the spirits <clears throat> of the earth and stuff like Ooh, that. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like, like that. um if you're mistreating nature, there's oh, okay. gonna be like something that might arrive to punish you for so that. So almost like an animism where like all things in the world have like a spirit. Kinda, kinda yeah. Like yeah. <clears throat> um I'm messing with it a lot because I'm grabbing this idea straight out of um, The Last Airbender. Oh, okay. Because there's a scene where, um, like, an army came and, like, destroyed a forest, burned it to the ground, and the spirit of that forest is very angry and became very chaotic and just started kidnapping the shit out of a local village for the people, just started kidnapping them one at a time, Mm -hmm. and... um, you know, they had to deal with that. They had to soothe and ease the spirit's pain. Oh, okay. And That's um, cool. so the for the force would one day regrow, but mm-hmm. like you know, this this spirit is like in tatters now because you've destroyed its its small realm that it's in charge of. Right. It's tasked <clears throat> with protecting this area, and I really like that idea a lot. Yeah. And I like the idea of not only them being their own special 
entity that exists uh, independently of a god, but also serves a, a higher purpose from there. Like okay. a god, <clears throat> uh, a spirit, or something like that that would be charged with uh, the protection of an area like that would mm-hmm. probably serve like the Oak Father, you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, ultimately. Right. But it has right. their own like will and independence and like their own portfolio, if you will. Right. But I mostly left alone. Yeah. So I'm thinking there will be tiers of stuff like branching from like one source, which is like a loose pantheon. And you can like draw off like branches from there and like, oh, these all these things encompass like the Oak Father's will or whatever. Right. And so on. And it'll be like that in a lot of different ways. And um, but I, I know that I am going to have like the spirit of each plane, like have its own like life force and will and um, it'll be tied to the deities and, and it'll um, cascade all the way down to the intelligent beings of that realm. Gotcha. And if you decide you're going to be an asshole and disrespect shit, the, the wrath will come for you. OK. Or oh, like man. and maybe you're OK with that. And the, <clears throat> and you're not worried about the wrath of gods or whatever. Like you'll you'll handle that if it ever comes, you know, and uh, I that that's the kind of feel I want to put like the, the people who are evil are going to be like probably mistreating nature in some way. Okay. And, uh, they might not give a crap about whatever consequences there may be. They are like, I can defend myself. So come at me if that's what you want. Nice. Well, also you got to think about too is, um, in, in normal D and D, um, gods are both good and evil. Right. So like, there are evil people, but they got gods behind them mm-hmm. technically a lot of the time. And that's too. where I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. And like, and that's what I'm, I'm, I got to ask you is like these evil people, they, they, they're, it sounds like they're taking a risk. Like what do they got on their side? Of yes. Things? They have, they probably <clears throat> have the means to defend themselves. And that probably means other kinds of powerful entities backing them, whether right. that be a deity or something that is like a deity, mm-hmm. but maybe doesn't think of itself as right. something like that. Maybe they like control and power, but they they're viewing it in a very much more like direct fashion. Okay. I think than like a deity is more like a blanket kind of deal. Like right. I encompass all these things and peace and love and shit, but like this deity's like, "No, I'm gonna fuck up this particular thing and if that thing is in my way, I'm gonna cut through it." Okay. You know? Okay, I like that. Um that kind of <clears throat> ties into in the Dungeon Master's Guide, they talk about deity rank because there's yes. a ranking system. It's not extensive. It's pretty basic, actually. You have greater deities and lesser deities. Mm-hmm. Um, while greater deities tend to have more followers, more believers, and encompass a wider portfolio of things, they also tend to be like beyond a mortal understanding. They're kind of on that high, high shit where it's just like they're almost a concept. But they do... Like Beyonce. <clears throat> like who? Like Beyonce. Like Beyonce, yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. Um, they uh, they do have physical forms, uh, and you can technically slay their form, but slaying their form doesn't do anything. Like, it's not going to really harm them in any real tangible way, although to pull it off, you'd have to be immensely powerful because, again, these are greater deities. Um, and below that, there are lesser deities, which is more like, okay, so the deities in, in my world that you... I don't know how much experience you've really had with him now. I'm thinking about it. It's just mostly Thanic doing his thing. Yeah, and so I just kind of watch him, like, oh, that's yeah, God. Yeah, his thing <laughs> is definitely with a lesser deity. Okay. Um, there, there's probably more lesser deities in my world than there are greater deities. Um, if you let's get back to that one thing where if you if you take on uh, a fight with a deity and you and you kill them, well, um, if you go after a lesser deity in that fashion and mm-hmm. you defeat them, well, mm-hmm. you take that mantle yes. usually lesser deities if you kill their form 
because they they're going to have a tangible form, uh, they they die, and their divine spark is left behind. Um, if that's the kind of lore yeah, that you're following, obviously that's which per in mine in mine it is, and in mine there's history of gods killing other gods and and stuff like that happening. Oh, if a if a deity goes after another mm-hmm. deity, will they become like a combo force? Um, they will. Yeah, they can they can absorb the portfolio of the deity uh, that they killed. Yeah, so they um, just got in charge of like all this other shit now, as yeah, well as the yeah. stuff they were in charge of before. Yeah, absolutely true. Um, <coughs> in uh, fourth edition lore, I think the Raven Queen which was originally just the goddess of death, mm-hmm. uh, I think ended up in some sort of fight with a, some evil winter god that was like like constantly trying to kill with winter. And this is bef- this is like supposed to be in the long, long ago. Okay. And so she kills him and ends up gaining that uh, along with fate as her three things that she resides over. Damn, that'd be awkward um, to like kill the guy that was trying to fuck up your domain and shit. And now you have all that like angst against your shit inside of you. Like, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> do I destroy it? Do I well, keep it alive? As gods are supposed to be above such things. Ah. But, um, I mean, there, there's there's uh, entities that are very powerful that aren't gods that become gods. Like um, in fourth edition D anD D, uh, Asmodeus or Asmodeus or however you want to say it was the archduke of uh, what is it? Nessus? 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 Either way, he was he was the the lord and king of all devils in the nine hells. Oh shit! And he uh, wasn't quite a god though. But in, uh, I think it's Forgotten Realms and in regular D&D lore, he ends up killing a minor deity, uh, Azuth, the god of spellcasting and whatnot, and he murders him and gains his divine spark. And now Asmodeus is a god. And he's, uh, in 4th edition, he's a greater deity. I think in Forgotten Realms, he's a lesser deity. But either way, he's a god now. That Namekian power-up. Yeah, that Namekian (laughs) power-up. Yeah, he absorbed Nail. And yeah, exactly (laughs) what happened. Um, So... uh, so yeah, deities come in greater and lesser. And another rank that isn't talked about in the Dungeon Master's Guide, but it's I've seen it everywhere in D anD D like for years is a lot of times there is a father deity above it all, and he's he or she is not above or not involved in the world. Okay, like, probably doesn't have worshippers. Probably doesn't need or want worshippers. Probably isn't very aware of the mortal realm at all. Or maybe maybe they are. Um, but usually they're the the thing that created gods in the first place. Yeah, and they're so far up. They like zoomed that, out real, real yeah, hardcore. Yeah, exactly. Um, in my world, that does not exist. In my world, it's more about like um, um, the forces of order and the forces of chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the primordial soup that that was. Uh, birth like these beings that went on to become the deities. Yeah, from but the friction, exactly. that Cause became life. Exactly. In my in my world, uh, the gods were originally the veneer, which is actually a Norse term for for deities. Um, they were the the agents of order, if you will. And then I had the Aesir, another Norse mythology term, which were basically the primordials from fourth edition. They were agents of chaos, and it took chaos in order to make it all work. So, but that's just my personal mythos. Dude, I would really want to kill a god, but maybe we should take a short rest. I kind of think I need my action surge for that one. All right. I think, yeah, you'll definitely need as many of those as you can get. So let's do it. All right. All right. Selling a little. Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. We really appreciate all the support. We want to go ahead and promote another podcast that we're big fans of called Adventure EXE. Nice pronunciation on that, Brian. Yeah, Adventure EXE was very clear and concise. I liked it. <laughs> Adventure you. EXE. Don't forget it. Yeah. No, this this is a really cool podcast. Uh, I've been listening to him lately, and uh, it's it's really lighthearted. It's a, like a really relaxed kind of setting, and like I can tell these guys hang out like probably for hours and hours outside of the game itself, and it, it really shows. In yeah, the they content. bounce off of each other really good. It's yeah, a good rapport. Um, like, very entertaining. Yeah, really witty banter. I, I really enjoy it, and I highly recommend it. You guys should go check them out. Yeah, and if you want to do that, you can find them on podbeat.com. You can get them on iTunes, facebook.com slash adventureexe, uh, and you can tweet at them at adventureexe. Yeah, and uh, again, I highly recommend it. Tell them we sent you. Uh, that would be Sarah, Matt, Jeremy, and Carmen. Good job, you guys. Really, really enjoy your show. You guys kick butt. All right. Um, now, now we're going to take this opportunity to talk about ourselves. Because we, we like what we do here. We rock, too. And if you like what we do here, too, please help support us by giving us subscriptions on YouTube, uh, comments. Comments are paramount. And uh, tell your friends. Yeah, tell, tell everyone you know. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Uh, review that iTunes. We uh, really appreciate the people that have done it so far. It really gives us like a, a little bit of a spotlight, and 
Um, for us to get traction and get this thing on the move, that's what we got to do. So thank you guys so much, everybody. Um, do we have anything to say about Volo's Guide? Yeah, we finally got a winner for Volo's Guide. I announced it on Twitter two days ago. I also sent them a private message on YouTube, and I haven't heard back yet. So hopefully we hear back. Because if I don't hear back, I don't know who to send it to. And if I don't know who to send it to, we're going to have to draw another winner. The winner of Volo's Guide, please send us your address. Um, and for anybody that, um, I guess if we don't hear back from them, we'll put the word out again and we'll just roll it again and see who wins again. Hopefully we don't have to do that because we pick somebody. Yeah, If if here here's, here's the deal. If we don't hear back from the person by the time this episode airs next Monday... Uh, we'll we'll draw someone else. All right, all right. Um, you can catch us on SoundCloud.com slash The Dungeon Cast. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch us on YouTube. Just search The Dungeon Cast, or you can tweet at us at The Dungeon Cast. Oh, man. Good job. Yeah, Covered thank it you. all. Yes. Nice. I'm getting good at this. Yeah, we, we are. We're <laughs> becoming proficient, if you will. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so uh, I think that's it for a short rest, no? Yeah, I feel pretty rested. I'm feeling uh, my action surge just I mean, surging within, ready to be released. Very nice. All my all my spell slots have been renewed because, uh, well, apparently I'm a warlock. And yeah, <laughs> let, let's do it. All right, back, back to, to the, the show. show. All right, Brian. So we've talked about greater deities and lesser deities. That's true. Um, there are also quasi deities or demi deities. Basically, uh, for the most part, I guess that'd be half gods. You know, gods can technically procreate with anything. I suppose. I mean, they're gods. I'm, the, their limits are basically what you allow what as your dungeon master. Yeah. What, yeah. What are the rules? <laughs> um, and so, I mean, you you see it in Greek mythology all the time. And I I don't really know Norse mythology well enough, but I imagine it's there too. It's pretty nasty. Um, yeah, but I mean, you got Hercules and Perseus and a bunch of other Greek uh, demigods, and they're just like a lot um, of them seem very resentful. Yeah, well, like you know, lineage. their parents usually just forsake abandon them. them. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah not you're forsake your them, but yeah. like, yes, abandon. Yeah, them is basically, more of a... they're a bunch of deadbeat parents. Those gods, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I do so much. How can I raise a child? And and you can do your demi deities like that. Um, and but there's also like entities that are very closely tied to uh, the divine and are very powerful, but they might not quite be what you would consider like a, even a lesser deity in power. Um, some of uh, the titans might be considered like quasi deities. Um, maybe I was always under the impression that all of the titans were like very powerful. So. In in fourth edition, they are like deity level. In fifth okay. edition, titans are considered quasi deity level. Oh, okay. Um, you might consider some archfey to be quasi deities. Um, uh, even arch devils, maybe kind of. I mean, Asmodeus became a full blown deity by killing another god, but he was already pretty close to that power level as it was. Yeah, so you have like a ranking system within the ranking system there. Like mm-hmm. you could have lineage of the gods, but not be super duper powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, you could have it so that there there are like levels of angels because angels will serve uh, deities, both good and evil depending on what kind of angel they are. And there are angels that are super powerful called uh, solar angels. And they are like ridiculously powerful. And when, if one got powerful enough and got enough wor- worshipers, it might become a quasi-deity or a lesser deity. Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah. So, so is there what's the difference between an angel and a, and a devil then if they can like serve or like, um, a, like a demon, <clears throat> I guess, not a devil. So demons and devils are separate things, right? Demons and devils are separate things and they're very different from each other. And 
devils actually do have a very strong tie to angels, which we'll get into in both the angels episode and the demons or the devils episode. Okay. But um, yeah, I, as a matter of fact, they, the tie is so strong that in fourth edition, all things like from like the celestial realm <clears throat> were considered immortal creatures. And even though devils were from the nine hells, they're still considered immortals because that's their origin. Um, okay, so the Nine Hells, um, are we talking about that later, or do you want to talk about that? We'll touch on it a little bit. Um, as a matter of fact, that was the next thing we are going to talk about, is where do these things live? Okay, yeah. Um, um, let's talk about the Nine <clears throat> Hells a little bit then, because like, okay. are they ranked? Are the Nine Hells like levels of hell? Like, yeah, Or are they, they just check. nine separate kinds of hell? So the way I've seen a Beator, the Nine Hells, depicted in uh, D&D lore is it's almost like it's a little planetoid, if you will, mm-hmm. and... Um, it's divided into nine layers that go all the way down to its center yeah. um, uh, with Asmodeus at the center of it all and the Archduke over everything, but specifically his layer as well. And basically at uh, each layer you go back up to the surface. An Archduke rules over it, but okay. the, it's very hierarchical. And that's because devils, like hierarchy and law is everything to devils. They're very, very lawful evil. Okay. Um, which will be a fascinating subject to talk about later. Yes. But <clears throat> speaking of the Nine Hells, a lot of these deities, well, they have to have a place to live. Right, and right. most of them, if not almost all of them, exist in the outer planes of the prime material plane. So... They are divided into uh, the negative and the positive planes, or the upper and lower planes. That's interesting. Okay, <clears throat> basically like good and evil, and, okay, um, yeah. or whatever version of that you come up with. Yeah, or exactly. And in the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's a whole list of them. There's like Vitopia and Elysium and um, um, Arcadia and the Beastlands, and like they go for anywhere from being like super good to really neutral to really evil, like. They're basically, they fulfill pretty much every alignment, every character alignment there is. So there's like a lawful, um, neutral, um, outer plane realm, and there's chaotic evil, like which would be the abyss, and lawful evil, which would be the nine hells. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, these are the places where these deities are usually going to live. Uh, but it's up to you whether, like, do they have a physical form there? Or, again, are they just more of a, a an idea that permeates the universe? Right. That's okay. really up to you. But uh, for the most part, like, you have the Astral Sea, which is the upper plane, um, and you're going to have most of your good deities there. And then you're going to have the negative planes, like the Abyss, Archeron, um, Hades, um, I think Hell, technically. Do they all speak Celestial? Um, Yeah, I would say every every deity can speak uh, Celestial. Okay. And Celestials themselves, like angels and whatnot. All, All... Deities are celestial. Not all celestials are deities. So, <laughs> what was it? Not all spellcasting focuses are 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 arcane focuses. Arcane but all arcane spell. focuses are spellcasting focuses. <laughs> we actually got a comment. Right. We got a comment on that episode. The wizard. Oh, yeah. I think it was a wizard episode, and uh, he made a good point that we just simply overlooked. The reason there's a difference is because there's other types of focuses. There's divine focuses and druidic focuses for each of the classes. And there, I'm like, I never even yeah, thought of that. Yeah, that's. Oh. That's the differentiation. Thank you, YouTube user X, who yeah. commented. I think his name was uh, Valdar, so I don't know why I remember Shout that. Shout out to Valdar. Yeah. Thank you for proving us wrong, Valdar. We appreciate that, though. <laughs> yeah, we, we need do. to, if we say something wrong, check <clears throat> us on it. We, yeah, absolutely. We want to be better. Put us in our place. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so y- you got all these um, celestial and not infernal, but like negative 
planes of existence where these deities supposedly live. Um, some of them actually end up sharing locations with other deities. For example, in normal D&D, uh, Tiamat, the Dragon Queen, yeah. she was originally the Archduke of the first layer of hell. Of the okay. Nine Hells. Cool. She was deposed by Asmodeus and all his devils. She still roams that world, but she doesn't rule it anymore. Cast out. Yeah, cast out. Um, but she still lives in the Nine Hells. Um, not in my world. Asmodeus, like on a uh, um, like on a throne made of skulls. Uh, he could be. Uh, as Asmodeus is probably my favorite evil deity because mm-hmm. he's such a fucking stone cold badass, and he's like super conniving, very Machiavellian. He's a really cool. Scary, scary deity. There was a- so powerful that um, he supposedly has uh, wounds that he carries with him from when he was cast out of the heavens. So he's constantly bleeding, and every drop of blood that falls from him uh, forms into um, a uh, what are they called? Um, a pit, a pit fiend, which is an incredibly powerful devil. Oh shit! For every drop of blood that hits the ground, like that's the level Crowley. of power these gods are. Yeah, uh, and um, you don't want to like get that in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. So I can't wait to do whole episodes on like different deities. There was a sick ass Yu Gi Oh card called um, Lord of As- <laughs> Lord Asmodeus or something like that. Mm-hmm. You cast it. It was a ritual card. It came out onto the board. You paid two thousand life points. You destroyed everything but him. Does uh, that's badass. That that's sounds about right. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like where these things live is up to you because i don't do it like that because i don't <clears throat> like okay so for me personally um i grew up reading Dragonlance, and in Dragonlance, uh the equivalents of tiamat and bahamut which were paladine and tinkesis were like the most powerful gods they okay. weren't lesser deities like they are in normal D. on top of that like they're gods of dragons and dragons are some of those powerful beings in existence that should stand to reason that their gods are very powerful as yeah. well and i just don't I don't care for the idea that Tiamat has to just kind of live as an outcast on some, you know, other plane of existence. Yeah, if you were you know? sent out, you would probably go find somewhere else to rule. Exactly. That's what like, I would do. And she's the dragon queen. She should be ruling something. But that's just my take on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't been playing the game since the 70s, so I just have a different look at it. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about worshipers because, uh, all these deities got worshipers. Who are these damn people and what are they getting out of this? What are they getting out of this? Yeah. And you know, it's not too well defined. I've seen it done a few different ways. Like sometimes like if you worship a deity and you're pious and whatnot and you follow the doctrine as you should, you end up on the same plane of existence as a deity that you devoted your life to oh you like enlightened enough to like transcend <clears throat> exactly okay. and and that makes sense when it comes to all the good gods but like why on earth would you worship like a deity who's going to end up making you live in pandemonium Make you, you know like, murder babies yeah like why would you worship asmodeus if you're going to end up as a slave in the nine hells when it's all said and done <laughs> like why the fuck would you do that yeah. uh and you kind of as a dm you got to come up with reasons uh actually that one's one of the easier ones because like if you uh, forward Asmodeus's uh, like will and um, agenda very far and are in high standing. You might not enter the nine hells as a slave. You might enter like a few ranks above that. But the nine hells, when all of a sudden done, is all about rank and climbing rank. Yeah. So like, prove if, yourself before you get there, and you'll have a higher seat. Exactly. And even uh, the lowest devil at the very bottom, um, like imps and whatnot, like they can climb up and change form and get to the high, high ranks over the course of millennia. So, like, you still got that, that political Game of Thrones to play. Yeah, you got to show up on time. Yeah. Don't call <laughs> off sick. I mean, you know, just, just show up, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> You're halfway yeah. there. Do your job. 
You stay for overtime, and you'll get yeah, the promo. Keep the night, keep the nine helms, the nine hells clean. Yeah, ye, ye imp, ye imp. <laughs> Stop leaving your food in the refrigerator in the break room. <laughs> we um, notice, and we don't like it, and you'll stay at the bottom. <laughs> so, uh, so it's up to you as a DM, like, because uh, for me, it needs to make sense. Like, why would you worship a demon lord if there wasn't something you were going to get out of it that you? really thought was worth the risk probably like um, the promise of power is something that they throw a around a lot very common one yeah where you get tricked you get straight up tricked you think you're gonna yeah. get some cool shit and you don't and, and you then don't. you are ye imp and then you don't care and you are leaving your food exactly because you're like fuck it <laughs> such is such is my lot in life i hate this job <laughs> um also there's things like uh Dan from if you keeps if you pitchforking me <laughs> if you uh keep forwarding my agenda uh, I'll be able to take over the world, and when I rule the world, you'll be a king amongst men. There's that's a very common one, you know. Again, with the power. Yeah. So, um, as a dungeon master, I would give it some thought because religion is probably going to permeate throughout your entire world, especially if you have a religious character um, or a re- religious storyline. And sometimes, it, some players never ask any questions, and yeah. you never have to delve into these details. But sometimes they do, and uh, you, you should have an answer ready. Yeah, personally, if I have a if I have a person in my campaign that wants to worship a god, I should know quite a bit about that god. Right. Maybe not as much, like, there doesn't have to be as much data on the forefront of my mind for other gods that might, because there's no player, like, directly worshiping or, like, interacting with that that pantheon of faith or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, they're going to be asking their god for shit. Can, will their god do that? Is that in line with what the god like their their profile and agenda like yeah like um sandy was saying he's gonna sacred flame uh on some bats just to get some light i'm like bro i don't know man that's yeah i don't know seems like you're squandering your power you know like depending on your deity you might do you also just murdered a creature that's like, true for no reason that's probably some strong cruelty. bats we don't condone animal cruelty here on no, the podcast i don't creature so, cruelty these are the th- creature monster cruelty. <laughs> monster cruelty. Well, the bat's not a monster. It's it is a beast. It is a creature. Respect life. Indeed. <laughs> um, so um, you got to think about all those things as as a dungeon master. Those are all things you should consider. Um, the last thing I think I want to talk about on this show is um, I want to encourage you to think outside of the box when it comes to deities. Um, it's very easy to fall into the loose polytheistic. Uh, vanilla de- deities of the world and there's nothing wrong with that fuck i do it all the time uh it's a lot of fun but there's a lot of ways you could do it and i think a ways that most people don't think to do it like you could have a, a dualism approach to your deities where maybe there's only two gods one of a certain aspect and one of a opposite aspect and yes. they're constantly at yeah. odds and like you can worship like maybe these two ideals mm-hmm. um I, kind of back to with what you were saying where everything's maybe more about like the elements uh, maybe the gods of nature aren't gods of like hope and 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 despair and the sea. Maybe they're more like god of air, god of air, god of earth, god of fire. Like they have stuff domain like that. over like a one quarter of everything, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly right. Um, like, do you want to go sailing? You're gonna need the god of air or the god of and the, the sea. God of, yeah, exactly. And, like, stuff like that. And you pray to them. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, passage. You shit. can uh, do an anim- animism type thing where like all things, like maybe there are no gods, but like all things in your world have a spirit or a divine spark within them. Yeah, I like that. And a you lot. can pray to like to like the life stream, if you will. You know what I mean? Like so, <laughs> so yeah. Like there's there's so many ways to do it. Like the force. Don't. 
like I, I don't want to say don't be lazy because like I'm lazy all the time, but like there's more there's more ways to do it than you might originally think. So yeah, think outside the box. I mean, you can you can grab from this pool of like expanse of everything. Like they're gods, they rule over your world. They have they're in charge of like what happens in a lot of ways, and a lot they're a lot like um they're a lot like the tools of the DM to place around mm-hmm. as you please, and that can be very useful in a campaign. So. Yeah. Um, also like just, just being like interesting, um, being creative and you can, you can pull from, you can pull from everything, pull from, uh, Greco Roman stuff and the Norse stuff and like anything you can get your hands on. Just, um, try to be respectful, you know, of, um, of other people's cultures and stuff too, and make oh, sure that yeah. you make sure that you're not like blaspheming super hard. So like taking from the D and D stuff's probably pretty safe cause they're made for the game. Yeah. D and D takes from so yeah. many religions. Like, yeah. I mean, in the end you get, it's a fantasy game. Everyone's there for make believe. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I agree at the table what your dynamics going to be. You know, so that's that's a private per game kind of kind of deal. But uh, any any other questions about deities before we wrap it up, Ryan? Uh no, that was really informative. I think um, I think this is all going to help me uh, skyrocket into uh, my creative place where I go to make things and uh, get my deities straightened out because I oh, really yeah. need to wrinkle out some things. Yeah, um, yeah, it could be tough. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm wor- I'm working on it. Yeah, hopefully, it's pretty cool. I'm going to try to be um, as original as possible, just because I want that. I want that. Right. Um, I want that fresh flavor if I can yeah. get it. Hell yeah, that's awesome. I look forward to it. All right, me too. All right, guys, that's going to be it for us today. Uh, Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. As always, see you next time. See you next time. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.